Welcome to The Good Complex. I'm Jeff Jones, and it is my privilege to host these conversations and meet some amazing people in this world that is uh, so often animated, it seems, by fear, uh, by division, uh, by the inability to listen and, and remember what we all have in common. The Good Complex is really an alternative universe, the opposite of all that, a place where we can remember what we have in common, and that is a desire for the common good, to have conversations where we can put aside differences uh, for that bigger purpose and to feature the tremendous good uh, that's being done every day in our world and sometimes the, the very sacrificial and courageous decisions that people are making in love, which is what we're going to be focused on today. And I want to introduce to you uh, our guests today, and that is Brooke and Greg. And thank you both for being part of the Good Complex today. Oh, yeah. yeah glad Thanks for asking to be us. here, yeah. And, uh, and just to make it clear, we all are friends, but uh, a lot of times in, in our culture, when you have a couple, you assume that they're married yeah, we're or friends. connected. We're not that close. But that's not, that that's not the deal. <laughs> but, but you do have some things in common, we including do. our focus today. So uh, one of those is, uh, well, one thing, you're both my friends. That's, yeah. There you go. That's enough, right? That's <laughs> enough. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah. Any. The, uh, but you also are uh, both parents of teenage girls yes yeah yes yeah. may the force be with <laughs> yeah, us that's right. <laughs> so I, I i i raised boys who were all out of the house never girls so i don't know i have no idea what that's like except now i have a granddaughter who just mm-hmm. turned one so maybe i'll be introduced to that the yeah. joys and the drama right, right. hopefully well. just the joys right that's the grandparent part. Yeah, yeah. That's right. yes um but the other thing that you all have in common is really a uh I think a very amazing decision. A lot of us try to give and be generous and that kind of thing, but you've literally given part of yourself away, literally, like you've given an organ away uh, to uh, someone who, uh, whose life has changed forever because of that uh, in both cases, uh, two different people, of course. But um, so today we're, we're talking about organ donation and that decision to literally give part of yourself away. And uh, let's talk a little bit about organ donation, even though I want to get to your story. Just kind of introduce us to the topic, and you guys know a lot more about it than I do. But I do know there's 100,000 people on the waiting list. So for, list. you're talking kidney donation. There's lots of organs you can donate, but there's only one you can do, or I guess only one. You can do well, while you're you alive. Can, uh, when you're alive, you can do kidney, or you can do... Uh, you can do well, part of a liver. You can do part of a liver, right. and then there's some yeah. types so of So we both other, gave, our, yeah. gave a kidney. Oh, right. right. Okay. Yeah. So, so they, yeah. uh, there you go. You yeah. didn't give your heart. Or no, brain. we didn't no. give our heart away. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so both kidney donors. But on, on the donation list, 100,000 people on that list, 20 die every day waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, most donors, who most people who donate organs are not living right. or, right. you know, that. But, uh, but in terms of living donors, that's, you know, obviously you guys are. Talk a little bit about that part of organ donation and living donors and the need versus how many people are stepping up to say, yeah, I would be willing to do that. Brooke, we were talking about that yeah. earlier. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, this was all new to me. I didn't have any frame of reference for this until this kind of came into my life. And you really do learn so much about it. And it's fascinating. There are so many people on the national waiting list to get an organ. And if you can get a live donor, meaning someone like you or mm-hmm. me, uh, that's alive or healthy, Uh, the chances of that organ being accepted are so much greater, but less than 6,000 
live donations happen every year compared to the over wow. 100, 100,000 that yeah. need an organ. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it's something that is so doable, but we just don't know much about it. Uh, but when you do it, it's it's life altering for everybody, not just the recipient, but for the donor as well. So. Well, let's talk about your story a little bit, because I'm sure you didn't just wake up one day and think, I'm going to give away my kidney <laughs> to somebody, right? There's, right. A, there's a story behind that and a process that, that both of you independently mm-hmm. had to go through, because, Brooke, you're you're pretty fresh. You're just three months yeah, just in some, yeah, uh, yeah. recovery, yeah, and 17 years 17 ago years yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. And so for you, it was a friend, a, yeah. uh, a really close family yeah, friend. Yeah, family friend. For and you, a your family sister-in-law. Member. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you became the brother-in-law of the uh, decade. I became, that's right, the brother-in-law of the decade. <laughs> the <right>. favorite forever, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> so I know, I know each of you have a different story, but uh, talk, just tell me the origin story. Like how, how did it come about? Uh, how, did you, how did you start to think about this and make this decision? Mm-hmm. So one of you take off. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, so it was my my brother's wife. Um, She has lupus, and she her kidneys started to fail. And as soon as um, it became, they said, "Okay, you're you're going to be put on the list for for a kidney." Um, As soon as I heard it, I don't I don't know why. I just kind of felt like it was going to be me. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think at that time, and not in like in a bad way, you know, I just felt like I'm going to have an opportunity to do something here. and I think for me at that time, you know, 17 years ago, it was during the Gulf War, and mm-hmm. I was really wrestling with things, you know, of this, these soldiers who are heroes, you know, just kind of going off and not coming home, and me um, just kind of think, and I've always sort of had this desire to do something with my life and to do, you know, right. and so when this opportunity came, um, I sort of had this thought, so you know, I think it might be, I had no idea what it would, what it would entail, and we'll probably talk about that, and like what the process is and all of that kind of stuff, but... Um, I just, I just said, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to learn more about that. And then, you know, a big process came and, um, and, and my team, my medical team, you know, that, that, that came around me said, yeah, I think this would be good. So, so is it a pretty sort of deep thinking process for you? Or it seems like from the beginning, you were kind of like, Hey, if I can do this, if I can be helpful. Yeah. I have some questions. We'll talk about how it works itself, but but pretty much you were sort of it seemed like you were resolved from the beginning. Well, I was I was definitely open to it from the beginning yeah. and I was married you know at the time and had a family and so there's a lot of considerations to go to it, you know, it's it's not something that you want to do lightly for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um but pretty early on, I mean I had I had heard enough even before then that this was something that it's not like um it's not like running into a burning building to save somebody. You know what I mean? It's not like like inherently unsafe to, to donate a kidney. There's a whole lot of safeguards and really really smart people that make sure this this goes well. Um, but I, I just had a I just kind of had a piece about it at the beginning, and I had a desire to um, to do something with my life and and to give like this. And the more that I thought about it, the more conversations I had with my wife and the, and, and with my family and and. The, the more sure and the more comfortable I became, you know, and all the way up to, you know, I had conversations with Kelly. Kelly is my wife. Before we went into the surgery, after I got approved, and we'll kind of talk about the whole process and stuff, but uh, where we, we kind of said, you know, we there, there is the chance way down the road, you know, I'm only going to have one kidney. I get in a car accident. I could damage, you know, right, like whatever. And, yeah. um, but regardless, we, we can't ever sort of revisit this decision like, this is the right thing to do regardless. Mm-hmm. And whatever comes down the road, we'll face it, you know? Yeah. Um, 
and then she was on board with that and so that was super great to have mm-hmm. a supportive family um and so yeah that's what that's what happened <clears throat> Brooke how about how about you what was your process there well in my situation it's interesting to hear Greg talk about it because there are a lot of similarities mm-hmm. in the beginning stages of it uh but in my situation it was uh a family friends. It was a couple that we met actually at church when I was 13 years old, and they became very dear friends of my parents, huge supporters of mine through the years. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, uh, the gentleman that I gave my kidney to, um, actually only has one kidney. And so his process was a little bit different, and it just simply started to fail. And uh, for our family, it it wasn't just me. It was my dad and my brother who also... um, uh, stepped up to be tested because it's mm-hmm. not a guarantee. Um, and like Greg was saying, I very much had that feeling at the very beginning. And I remember telling my parents, I just think it's going to be me. Mm-hmm. And my dad and my brother both insisted, you know, you have young children, you know, you really need to think about this. And I was like, okay. And they said, we want to be first to be tested. That's what they did. And then I got tested along and during that process. And I was the only one that was a match. And I just was kind of like, you know, meant to be. I, it was meant to be. I think it really was. So and, let's, let's talk about the process a little bit, because I know it's not as easy as saying, I want to be that right. person. I want to be right. a hero for somebody. Mm-hmm. I want to disrupt my life by the need of another person. And I'm sure. willing to do because that's a huge decision. Sure. And we'll come back around to some of the whys of that big of a disruption and that big of a decision. But even if you want to do it, doesn't mean you can do it. Right. Um, even if you know the person and sure. it's all there. So talk a little bit about the process of, of organ donation and how it all works. So, no, there is the the match issue mm-hmm. that, that you mentioned. Uh, it's not the, the match issue is not as big of a deal as it used to be. So it used to, it used to have to be a perfect match in multiple categories, blood type, tissue type, all that kind of stuff. Um, now the anti-rejection medication is good enough to where it's my understanding, I'm not a doctor, um, but at least when I went through the process, it's my understanding that there's certain mismatches that they don't want, um, but there's, it, there, there's, there's more opportunity that you can match. But the, in the process, though, but that is an issue. They want to they check on that. But the process, I would say, at least my, you know, there's a whole battery of tests that you go through and, you know, that kind of stuff. And the main thing they're looking for is not whether or not you have a healthy kidney to give or whether or not this is going to be a good match for this person. The main thing they're looking for is the uh, psychological, emotional, physical health of the donor. So when you go in, you're given your team, like your team is not the recipient's team, it's your team, mm-hmm. and their, their goal is to keep you safe and to make sure this is a good decision for you, to make sure they're not going to put you in jeopardy 20 years down the road, you know, this so kind of stuff. you have two separate teams of doctors. Mm-hmm. two so separate teams, two so totally different separate teams. So yours is just what's best for you, they're not, <clears throat> right. they're not even worried about that other right. person. Right, and they yeah. make that very clear. Like their goal is not to find a kidney for this recipient. Their goal is to just to keep me safe. Um, and so you go through... A lot of tests, mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. lot of tests. And it's comforting to know, like, this is my team, you know, and they're so even if you really want to do it, uh, a lot of people, you know, a lot, there would be a lot more donations, you know, because there are more people that say, raise their hand and say, I'll do it, than are actually, you know, approved to do it. And it's, that's not just because they're, and for a lot of those folks, it's not just because they're, they're not a good match. It's because they're not a match for actually donating a kidney to anybody because, right. you know, the medical team, you know, the medical community is saying, we're not going to do that to you. You know, it's like you're, 
for a whole host of reasons, mm-hmm. you know. So that's, right. that's kind of comforting. I know. will say, as, as many tests as you have leading up to it, it's surprisingly simple for the donor. That's what I found, you know, and I'm just a couple of months out from this. You do go give blood a couple of times. Um, you do you know, urine samples and things like that, but nothing that is that big of a deal. I think I spent um, maybe two different days at the hospital just meeting all the different doctors and going through stuff. But it really, they do all of the hard work on their end. They do so many tests, but it's not something, it's relatively Mm -hmm. easy. Uh, They talk about having it down to a science. They know what they're looking for, and they will do everything they can to avoid any extra risk with the donors. Yeah. So. It's one of those, I mean, it's one of those times where you're just like so thankful for smart people. Mm-hmm. You know, these are smart people, <laughs> right. you know, that yeah. they're, they're doing these tests and you 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 really feel like I'm, I'm sure whatever, wherever city anybody's are, you know, medical community, like it's, um, these are, these are the best, best of the best, mm-hmm. you know, that do this stuff. So you find out that you're a match that they're willing mm-hmm. to let you do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, after other people, I'm sure in your case, I know in your case, yeah. they were kind of weren't a match or right. were sent back. Was there a sense of, was it, was that a hundred percent sense of, oh yeah, I'm so glad. Was there any bit of, oh man, you know, I was, yeah. I was kind of hoping I might there get There goes my summer, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, you know, cause yeah. That's, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Pretty big disruption, but yeah. Just make me feel better. Tell me there was a little bit of that at least. Oh, for sure. I I remember we were, I was driving my teenager home from school and they called and said, just want to let you know, you've been approved. You are a match and we can set up your surgery for, you know, a week from now or two weeks from now. And it was that moment of, I had to pull over and, you know, just, it was complete silence for a second. And then my daughter looked at me and she said, is this, does this mean you're not going to be able to take me to band camp? You know? And it was just right. one of those moments where you kind of, everybody processes it and goes, okay, this is going to throw things out of whack for a little while. Right. But it was such, for me anyway, mm-hmm. it, I, my head was already there. It was just like, I knew I was supposed so to do it. And my family was a part of it the entire time. This was not anything I was like, I'm doing this, whether you guys want me to or not. It was very much yeah, a family yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was sacrifice involved for everybody, mm-hmm. yeah. but that's what makes it really cool at the same time. So. And I think you know it's a it's a significant surgery, even though it's probably not as significant as a lot of people think it is. Mm-hmm. As far as like, you know, they've they've really, but um, I know for me, I've never really had surgery before, mm-hmm. and um, for me, I thought there there was this moment before I left, it's like I need to write my wife a letter before mm-hmm. I go. You know what I mean? That. Um, and after I got home or whatever, I was fine. I threw it away. She never saw it. You know what I mean? But it was it's one of those like so that's that's kind of a moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. when when you actually have that thought of you know I need to I need to make sure nothing is left unsaid. You know? Mm. And so yeah, that's significant. Mm. Yeah. So you your match. You say yes. Mm-hmm. You they schedule it. You go. So tell tell me about the just the process itself of I mean you've got the donor. You have the one. Somewhere close, I guess, right? That's mm-hmm. next that's door. Receiving next the door. operating room. So yeah. how, next yeah. how does all that work? Kind of the yeah. the the good, bad, and ugly of of the process itself. Yeah. So they. I, 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 yeah. I don't want to do all the talking no, here, no. but um, yeah. So there's two two operating rooms that are right next door. Um, two totally separate teams. You know that kind of stuff. Um, they get the recipient um, all ready to receive a, a kidney uh, before they ever cut on the donor. So if there's any any complications or whatever, they don't have to go. Oh wait, sew them up, you know, or, or whatever. So once the um, once the recipient is all ready, 
um, then they then they operate on the donor and it's done laparoscopically, which is kind of amazing to think. Mm-hmm. They they kind of have to inflate you with air with mm-hmm. gas, you know, so they can like so they go in with their instruments. So there's no hands inside. Um, they do so there's like four little incisions and then one kind of kind of C-section incision, kind of right where your belt buckle would be, where they insert kind of a bag underneath the kidney that they're going to take. And the kidney, best I can understand, um, at least on the diagram, there's kind of a, you know, a, a blood vessel input, a blood vessel output, and a drain to your bladder, you know. So there's like three cuts that they kind of cut, 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 and they crimp at the same time, and they pull the kidney out, take it over, and they start sewing it in. And, and in our case, uh, the doctor said that, that my kidney was only unhooked for about 10 minutes, hmm. and it started creating urine, like, immediately, hmm. you know. And so when you were saying, like, the health – and you know all that kind of stuff. You can just imagine that that is just so much better of a of a circumstance for a recipient mm-hmm. to to get a kidney that's just like very healthy, you know, and fresh, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in that's fact, what they I, I asked my surgeon, yeah. "Could you please take a picture of it? I want to see what it's like." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, we'll have to get it all cleaned up and camera ready first, and then and then yeah. we will." So it yeah. is. It's such a small yeah. amount of time when they mm-hmm. go from one to the other, and right. it's a pretty seamless and then, process. And you know, I was, you know. And it used to be, I kind of saw you in half, you know, for this mm-hmm. kind of surgery. But I was, I was only in the hospital for two nights. Mm-hmm. Um, I was back to work in a week. Um, you're tired for a few months um, before your body sort of gets sort of recalibrated. Um, but, yeah, but now it's like it never happened, you know. I mean, so. Yeah. Same here. Three months out. I don't even – the most the, – the reminder I have is just the scars, which are, are really cool, you yeah. know, and they're pretty minimal. So – well, I imagine that being there at the same time, I yeah. mean, you're recovering at the, I mean, you're, pre- you're prepping around the same time yeah. and then you have to go in separate yeah. and then you're recovering. But I have a feeling I mean, there, there has to be a lot of camaraderie mm-hmm. around oh, yeah. both the of best those part. parties, right? So just talk about yeah. that a little bit. Well, yeah. in our situation, that's one of my favorite parts because uh, we, you know, I dearly love uh, this couple. I, I feel like we gave the kidney to the couple, um, but to be able to share in that experience, and we did it during COVID, and so, so much was shut down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in our minds, it was going to be this huge party, and all the friends were going to be coming. You know, it was almost like a new baby or something. Yeah. Um, because we avoided by about a week uh, my recipient having to go on to dialysis. Wow. And uh, so the timing of it was just really incredible. But, um, I mean, it was like... I was able to have one visitor, and then he was able to have his wife. Mm. Uh, but between the four of us... You know, uh, afterwards, Daryl and I, we both have our little kidney pillows that they give you, which are super cool. You know, you want that kidney pillow. And, you know, we're kind of shuffling down to each other's rooms. And how are you doing? And, oh, I'm good. You know, and then when he fills up to it, he comes, you know, down to my room. You know, we both have our very glamorous hospital socks on (laughs) and our, you know, our gowns and everything. But it's such a cool experience because, you know, no one else will ever get to have that kind of connection with them. And uh, to see... His numbers, I mean, within hours mm. go up was incredible. He was, mm. at, I think, less than 10% kidney function wow. uh, when he went in, and he is at close to 70% wow. kidney function. What a life changer. Yeah. So he's got to, I mean, he almost, he had to be feeling better almost right away then. And that's what they tell you. They yeah. they tell the the couple, the recipient, and the donor, hey, the, the donor's going to feel a whole lot worse at first because you went from feeling 
just fine to, yeah. oh, gosh, I just had surgery. But your recipient's going to be, they could be running laps around you because it's like, woohoo, I haven't felt good in so long. Yeah. And to finally have that part, it's just, mm-hmm. it's over, you know, other than the rejection therapy and all that stuff that you have to go through. I mean, it's yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Well, you talked about connection with the each other, mm-hmm. right? Because that is a unique, you share literally part of yourself mm-hmm. yeah. with that person and you're such a part of their story right because they they have life mm-hmm. because of that organ i mean it's you know it's that significant and or don't have to be on some kind of complex dialysis regime sure. and then a shorter life all this sure. stuff that comes with it um so talk a little bit about just how it changed the relationship between you and the family you and your sister-in-law just how does it change that when you share part of yourself that way, do this kind of sacrifice yeah. and their life is forever changed. Talk about that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, Melanie is the, the name of the, my, of my sister-in-law. I don't know that it changed our relationship. We had a really close relationship already. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but it does, it, it changed me in, in a pretty profound way that I, you know, it's been 17 years now and every November, you know, we, we celebrate kidney day and the <laughs> anniversary for that. And, and for me, it's the, it's the one time of the year that I actually think about it because I don't really think about it much anymore. Um, but I just get overwhelmed. I know she's overwhelmed with gratitude, but I am too, you know, that this is, um, it was a privilege mm-hmm. to do this and to be able to, to just see what her life has been like, like all that kind of stuff, and to know that I've had a part to play in her life, um, it was an honor. And so it's, and so it, it it's made me. I mean, we had a close relationship before. It's made me more appreciative, maybe, of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Maybe if that sure. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, very much the same thing. I mean, it's. I think it's like any experience in life where you really take a chance and you put yourself out there for somebody else. It's cool for that person receiving, but it, in a way, I think is just as, if not more mm-hmm. m- meaningful, being the person that does it because you're like, wow, if I did more stuff like this for others around me, there are a lot of things that could be better, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. how amazing that. Not just for them, but for us. But for yeah. us, right? right? And we're all searching for, for, you know, fulfillment and satisfaction in life. And so many things just leave us feeling kind of like, well, gosh, that's not what I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah. I always describe this experience as it's kind of magical because you don't ever really get over the magic of being able to simply share something that you have an extra of. It's not like we desperately mm-hmm. need two kidneys to survive. You're just fine with one. Mm-hmm. In fact, many people live their entire lives and don't even realize it with one kidney. Yeah. But then for it to have such an impact on somebody else, it really does, you know, our philosophy and our families, we have to hold everything like this. You know, don't hold on too tightly to your stuff because you may not always have that stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I think that kind of goes mm-hmm. for body parts, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? I mean, in a kidney in this case, it, yeah. it's like, hey, if I've got one to share, let's do that. And hopefully our kids, you know, that mm-hmm. was part of my decision too, mm-hmm. is I want my kids to see I'm... No, I'm not holding on too tightly to my stuff. Yeah, your life is not just about you. Yeah. Yeah. And that life is richer when you really do it together. You know, we yeah. say that, let's do life together and, you know, help your neighbor and all that. And those are great things. But when you get the chance to really help your neighbor, yeah, that's cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, with the, with the Baldwins, the mm-hmm. family, yeah. Daryl Baldwin, the yeah. one that received your kidney. Yeah. And... Um, I know you you had a bond before. I know yeah. it's even greater now. 
But you were talking in a previous conversation about it, the trees, tree yeah. life, and all. Talk, just tell tell us that story. Well, what's kind of funny is that they're kind of like second parents for for me and for my brother. And something we all have in common is a love of nature and trees and plants and that sort of thing. And so after our um, we went through the whole kidney thing, uh, Daryl and Barb went and got. Uh, me and then my brother who was also went through the process uh, my parents because my dad was going through the process and then for themselves each of us a Japanese maple and I'm obsessed with Japanese maples mm. I just think it's the most beautiful thing and I had never had one like this before and they showed up in a U-Haul at each one of our homes totally unannounced and said hey We've got something that we want to share, and we each have a Japanese maple now. And Daryl had a little, like a little plaque made for it, and it says the Tree of Life, and it has each of our last names, and then the date of the surgery, and just kind of it's a it's such a beautiful visual reminder of just how interconnected we all really mm -hmm. are, and that um, there are so many opportunities for us to reach out to branch out mm -hmm. and and touch each other's lives you know yeah. and um th that's really mm -hmm. fun to be able to walk out and we named my tree daryl so oh, you know good. you okay. know i'll take i'll take selfies with my tree and i'm like i'll send it to daryl and look like, look i'm having coffee with daryl this morning <laughs> nice. you know right nice. <laughs> so that's been fun that's been fun so i'm wondering if there's a deeper why here hmm. you know because i know for for you both um, you're, I know, you know, I've known both of you for a long time and, uh, and, and I do think there's a deeper why that runs underneath both of your lives because, well, I know that's true that has to play into, because, because I think a lot of people, even though they might want to do great things and their life make a difference still when, you know, in this kind of situation, let's say kind of find a way to wiggle out of it. Um, cause it'd be pretty easy to find a way to wiggle yeah. out of it. And you didn't find a way to wiggle out of this one. And it is a disruptive thing to do. Mm -hmm. I, I know what, I, I think your surprises were probably, Hey, it wasn't as disruptive as I thought. Mm -hmm. right. wasn't as difficult as I thought. wasn't as scary as I thought, but still it, this is a massive yeah. disruption. Um, so that the most people just, I don't think are really willing to make. And I know looking back, it makes sense, but. You know, if you're if you're on the other side of it, it's like, man, I don't know if I could do that or not. So I'm I'm just trying to pull out. Is there yeah. a deeper why that runs underneath your decision making for for this or other disruptions for the sake of other people in your life that I'm just curious yeah. to know what you'd say? Well, I think Greg has a great story. I think we have a common theme with both of us. It's interesting. We were both sort of in the same place when this opportunity came, but I, you need to share your the story. story talking about? They're talking about wanting to give something oh. and comparing yourself to other. Yeah. You know, I, and I kind of already mentioned a little bit, I was sort of at a place in my life where I was um, kind of asking some big questions, but I, f I feel like um, it was different. This, like, I think we see needs out there. Sometimes we think it's kind of far away for something about this one. Um, it just felt really personal to me. And so for me at the time, it was not so much why would I do this, but why wouldn't I? Hmm. Um, because it just felt like, and I would maybe, maybe because I was already sort of asking some questions in my life, um, but, but also it just seemed like it was, it was just the right thing to do. Um, and that's something that I think, um, 
I regret sometimes in my in my life since then, maybe when I'm not as healthy emotionally or spiritually or, mm-hmm. or whatever, um, I'm not, I don't have my eyes open for, for when needs come. And I think I did then, you know, and I'm so glad that I did because I was able to kind of turn right rather than turn left and mm-hmm. engage something that changed somebody's life, changed my life and that kind of thing. Um, I, that's, that's who I want to be. And that's who I want to be all the time. And yeah. I'm not that way all the time. You know, I was then and I have been, you know, it's like, um, but I think that there was just a, there was, there was a willingness um, to, to, to see a need and say, you know, I'm going I'm, to, I'm, like, like I mentioned before, it's not like burn, it's not like running into a burning building kind of, uh, you know, bravery that, that this is, even though we definitely need those people in our society, this was not near as risky and scary as that. But it was something like a you know a need a need sort of presented itself, and um, I was just at, at that moment willing to engage, um, and it was a great learning process. Just kind of as Brooke said, it's like man, life's better when we do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like playing it safe is ultimately not that fulfilling. Yeah. You know that it's like I, I when you you have to take some risks sometimes, and to do it for the sake of someone else, be able to celebrate with someone mm-hmm. else, to be able to all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like man. That's the good stuff, you know? Yeah. That's definitely the stuff that makes mm-hmm. life right. worth living. And it's, I, you know, I was at a point in my life where I was very much searching for something I could do. You know, I'm overwhelmed with all the stuff going on in our world. And you feel so small mm-hmm. in comparison to that. And, you know, I spent a lot of moments in my life growing up thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I can do something great. And, it didn't always go that way. And so it's really awesome to now be at a place where it's like, wow, if like Greg was saying, if I have my eyes open for real need and I'm looking for it and I'm searching for it, it's amazing what sometimes just falls right in your lap. Because this time a year ago, if you'd told me I was going to give a kidney away, I mean, I would have been like, are you crazy? Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> there's no way, you know, going on. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Right. But it all just worked out. You know, it's amazing. Brooke, I mean, you and I don't know each other well, but I mean, we met several yeah. years ago yeah. and we've, we've had several conversations, but it wasn't until kind of talking about this podcast. I, I didn't even know yeah. that you had yeah. donated a kidney and talking to you um, before, before we, um, we were filming this, you, you, you mentioned something about you um, as a mom, mm-hmm. as the, 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 like the number one thing in your life was like the health and safety of your kids and yeah. like all this kind of stuff. And so, and so that was a kind of interesting decision then for you to yeah. go into, like put yourself on the table yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, talk about that. I think that was a huge part for me. I, I, I'm a stay at home mom and, you know, everything I do centers around my girls and uh, we're very connected. We um, are the three musketeers. But in that, I also wanted to show my girls, hey, sometimes it's okay to really put yourself out there and trust that it's going to be okay. And I wanted to uh, show them that there really is great fulfillment in stuff when you sacrifice a little bit of yourself, because usually all we think about is the sacrifice, you know, the time, is it going to be painful? What does my life look like afterwards or whatever the situation is. Mm -hmm. And that's why for me with my girls, we really had to talk it through beforehand and, Sometimes you have to, and I had to say, mom really needs to do this. Mm -hmm. And I was at a point in my life as a stay-at-home mom, and I think a a lot of us moms 
especially when we've left careers that we've loved or whatever, where you're at home and it's like, can I really do anything anymore? Do I really have any influence minus, you know, taking cookies to a neighbor down the street who needs them? That's wonderful. That needs to be done. But there's just that longing for something richer and deeper. And what's really cool is that it's out there. And sometimes you have to get a little uncomfortable um, to make those things happen. But yeah. the the cool stuff that happens on the flip side is so much greater than any discomfort you have. And when you when you make the decision, even even though the the chances that you know that the donor's going to die and the right. or what are very very small, right. there's there's a chance. Sure. And when you sort of cross that line, there is kind of a fearlessness, mm-hmm. you, you know, that it's yeah. like, you know, you, you kind of get to the point. It's like, well, whatever happens, happens. This yeah. is the right decision. Yeah. That's kind of a cool place to be, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. uh, a lot of times we're not there, yeah. you know, but yeah. this is kind of a reminder. It's just like, okay, this is the right thing to do. Whatever happens, happens. Let's go for it. Let's go. You yeah. know, it's kind of a, you know, that's kind of where you want to live, you know? Yeah. There's a, a saying, it's actually a biblical one, but you know, Perfect love cast out fear. Mm. Yeah. So love cast out fear. You were talking about yeah. going into a burning building. That's one thing if it's somebody you don't love. Right. But if right. if your daughter yeah. is there, that's, that's right. You're yeah. going to go into that building right. and you're not really worried about fear so much. You're not right. even thinking about fear. Right. You're just thinking about love. And to, yeah. to live with that kind of abandon that love allows. That's great. Yeah. It's an unusual way to live. but. Yeah. But yeah. a, a much bigger way to live mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things here that I I'm taking away. One is you know well and I'll mention this or have you talk about a little bit is the organ donation need itself, in that particular way to give your life away and give yourself away. And you can do it anonymously. Like if you don't know someone who who needs a kidney, um, you can yeah. start that process. You know yeah. that doesn't happen a lot, but um, it does happen. Yeah. And so if somebody was interested i guess in a world of google they can they can figure figure that out it's really it's very simple they make it very easy for you yeah but then in general you know it's just living what i'll call what i'm taking away from your story in addition to thinking through the particular need with organ donation is also just choosing to live a disruptable life Mm -hmm. in your case it's a significant disruption but you know you were talking about how well both of you how just what what it might feel like and, and look like once you allow yourself to be disrupted it just in this way to sort of live all of life that way to mm-hmm. live life dis- disruptable by the needs of others right. um i was just in israel doing some filming um i'm a pastor we were filming a series there and and on the new testament story of jesus and and it struck me you know i was we were on this overlook and there's a city called jericho which is right outside of jerusalem so in Jesus's final week, you know, leading up to going to Jerusalem for the last time where he'd be crucified and all mm-hmm. that would happen. He goes through Jericho and on his way in, there's a guy named Bartimaeus who's a blind guy. He's yelling out because mm-hmm. he wants to be healed and people are trying to shut him up because he's insignificant. Mm-hmm. And but not to Jesus. Right. So Jesus says, hey, I'll come bring him here. And he stops. And he interacts and he heals him. And then on the way out, there's a tax collector, which in that era was, in that setting, was uh, anathema. Mm-hmm. They, so he was an outcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worst person in the world would, is kind of the way people would have thought about him. And who, who goes up, you know, if you grew up in hearing about Zacchaeus in a sycamore tree, probably most people mm-hmm. didn't, right. but that was a thing. I, I, I didn't go to church growing up, but somehow I knew yeah. that as a kid. <laughs> and... Uh, 
And, you know, Jesus, again, sees him up in that tree because he just wants to catch a glimpse of this guy who everybody's talking about. And he stops and he spends the night with the guy, mm-hmm. you know, and says, hey, we're going to hang out knowing all that's about to happen. Yeah. And um, and I and just watching that from that Vista point, seeing, OK, that all happened right before he went into the craziness of that. Mm-hmm. Am I willing to stop? Mm-hmm. for the need of other needs of other people, yeah. including the marginalized and yeah. and the hurting and the poor, but really anybody, am I really willing yeah. to, to live that way yeah. in, a, in a busy life where you're going somewhere? Right. And I think even when we hear those kind of stories, we can feel guilty because we know that other people would be better off if we were more disruptible. And, but I think what, what my story, at least in that season, it's just like my, my life was better off. It's a bigger life, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bigger, yeah. more adventurous, yeah. more, you know, you only get one life. Yeah. Let's make a difference. You know, it's like yeah. that kind of life that you really sort of want to live. It's not, you know, we, we don't want to live that way just for us, but it's certainly the, you know, it's better to give than to receive. You know, it's true. It, that's not just sort of like a make people feel guilty kind of a statement. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it really is true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, I think I had some feelings afterwards of seeing how, you know, grateful my recipient was, and he just still can't tell me enough. And I want to say, but you don't understand. You've really, in a lot of ways, done me a favor. You know, you've given me a chance to live richer and live more fearlessly. And it does open your eyes to how many opportunities you have all the time, everywhere you go. And I don't know if it's an American thing or what, but we always have somewhere to go. We always have Mm -hmm. somewhere to be. And it's so easy not to leave any margin Mm -hmm. in there. And as soon as you slow it down a little bit or just simply be open to it, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to have schedules. That's going to happen. Yeah. We're going to have a busy life. But when, you know, you feel the need to help that person that you see on the side of the road that's asking for help or whatever it is, you know, the people that come across your path, you don't always have to act on that, but at least stop and consider it. And then that's the good stuff. Yeah, We, you know, we... It, it kind of boggles my mind when I think how many how many choices we're we're given every day mm-hmm. to turn right or turn left to engage not engage you know that kind of stuff, and most of the time they're fairly insignificant. But you have no, you have no idea where that path is going to lead, yeah. you know, yeah. and how how it's going to change your life, how it's going to change someone else's life, and so just just when I'm sort of in a good place and I'm feeling sort of rightly overwhelmed heading into a day, thinking this today could change my life. Mm. Today, today, today could change someone else's life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this day is valuable. Yeah. Um, time is valuable. People are valuable. Um, I need to be willing to to turn right when when my when my schedule said turn left. Yeah. You know what mm. I mean? Like yeah. I need to be able to to do that because I just have no idea where it's going to lead. Yeah, you know. Yeah, living with that kind of open handedness and margin. Yeah, and balancing that with the stuff demands that we have. Mm-hmm. That's really a huge part of the trick of being an impactful person. Right. Yeah. You know, and is, is trying to figure is, is going through a world of need, figuring that out. Right. So, yeah. well, thank you both for your love uh, for other people, your willingness to share your story, uh, your your uh, your challenge to people like me to live a more disrupted, disruptable life. I really appreciate you both. Yeah. I know not just your recipients, but all of us do. Thank you for that. And, you know, I think for all of us here at The Good Complex, it's really our opportunity, not just to listen to a podcast, but to be 
part of a bigger movement of doing good in our world and 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 seeing good flourish and it's really these daily decisions that we have with what to do with our time and what to do with our resources and and, and what to do with our attitudes that'll either contribute to that or not and so let's make it good and for the good complex this is jeff jones